Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. With a new podcast every day of the Premier League season, this is Football Social Daily. Hello, happy Friday. This is Football Social Daily, your daily dive into the latest news and opinion from the Premier League. I'm Jim Salverson and on today's show, maybe the least important Manchester United versus Liverpool derby match of all time, but it turned into a bit of a goal fest. But do we believe those United fans who are claiming it didn't really matter last night. We'll look at last night's game shortly. That game came straight after a complete snore fest. I almost forgot happened between Aston Villa and Everton. A nil-nil draw at Villa Park and two sides that probably can't wait to get the season finished as quickly as possible, I'd wager. And it certainly felt like that in last night's game. And you could argue that's the case for Newcastle too. They take on Manchester City tonight in the Premier League, but are certainly eyeing their summer holidays. For City, rather than it being a case of getting the season over, they want to fast forward to the end of the season and the 29th of May for that Champions League final. But instead, they do have that trip to the northeast to contend with. But will the final be enough of a distraction for Newcastle to pick up three points? We'll get onto that and pick up the key battles from that match on today's podcast too. Also on today's show, I catch up with former Middlesbrough and England under-21 striker Andy Campbell to talk about his time in the game and also, as it's Mental Health Week, some of the challenges facing professional sports people now and during his time on the pitch and how that has changed. That is at the end of today's podcast. To do all of that, we welcome back Steve McNaughton to the fold, who's taking a well-deserved break from nappy-changing duties. How are you doing, Steve? <laughs> I'm all right, thanks, Jim. Are you, mate? Yeah, I'm all right. What's it like having th- three kids? Is it now? Is it is it as chaotic as I imagine it is? Yeah, it's absolutely that, mate. You know, I've got three boys now, so all uh, under the age of seven. So um, yeah, it's a busy old household, and uh, you know, having one that's two weeks old and eighteen months old is uh, a bit of a challenge. <laughs> Two more, you've got a five-a-side team. Get, get, get back to work. Right, <laughs> and we've got uh, Boyle Sports' Liam Blanche on the show with me as well today. You're right, Liam? I'm doing good, Jim, yes. Um, a lot happier now after last night's victory as a Liverpool fan. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I thought the chance of even finishing close to the top four was gone. But now it looks 
it's you might as well say it's in their own hands. I do believe if they mm. get nine from nine, they're going to finish in the Champions League spots, which will be massive for the club looking ahead to next season. Very decent run in for Liverpool as well. We'll get on to that shortly. First, I need to mention a special that is on Boyle Sports because right now Boyle Sports are offering a £10 no-lose bet for this weekend's FA Cup final. So punters can get their money back when they place a £10 bet on the Chelsea versus Leicester City game. Simply put, this weekend, if you put a £10 bet on the game and your bet loses, you get your money back in the form of a free bet that gets refunded back onto your account. You can find out more via the Boyle Sports app or via boylesports.com. There are T's and C's that apply. 18 plus, bet responsibly and be gambleaware.co.uk. Who would you go for, boys? I'll start with you, Leon. If you've got a free 10 quid bet for the FA Cup final, where are you putting it? Um, I always find when... When I get one of these kind of free bets, I like to go for a little bit of value um, because if it doesn't work out, uh, you're obviously going to get your free bet back in. And I just think yeah. with this one, Chelsea against Leicester, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that it's not going to be a very tight affair. I'm hoping that it's not just going to be a kind of a Chelsea 1-0 victory or something like that. I do feel Leicester, uh, having beaten Manchester United at Old Trafford, they're going to come into this game um, full of confidence. Leicester are three to one. You said you, you said beating Manchester United, beating Manchester United B team. I think yeah, would be the, yeah, the more was, accurate description was, of that game. It was Manchester United B team, but having rebounded after losing four two to Newcastle, they needed yeah. to win it um, any way they possibly could, and they did. Um, and those three points might be crucial come the end of the season. But I look at a first goal scorer market when I get a kind of a, a ten pound no lose. And the man you'd have to go if you're a Leicester City fan would be Ian Acho at 11-2. to two. Mm. But I think if you're a Chelsea fan, I just have a feeling Mason Mount might be the guy to just pop up with a goal. He has done on plenty of occasions this year. He's an 8-1 to one chance. So I think you've got to be looking at at least a 5 or 6-1 to one bet when you've got a no-lose chance. So for me, it's Ian Acho at 11-2 to two, or it's... Mason Mount at eight to one. That's decent odds on Ian Acho, actually. I quite like a little bit of value when there's a free bet involved. And I was thinking maybe Chelsea win, Georgino penalty, and Leicester City red card. A bit of a combo might <laughs> feel, feels like on the edge of reality, but certainly decent returns on that if you can go for it. Steve, if you were going to put on a ten quid free bet on this FA Cup final, what would you be pumping for? Well, I don't like to live as dangerously as you, Jim. Uh, <laughs> I would, uh, I'd probably do something very, very, very simple. Like um, I'd, I'd do a double. I'd do Timo Werner to score and Chelsea to win. Fair enough. More details on the free bet offer and full terms and conditions at boilsports.com. Let's kick off with last night's games. It was Aston Villa nil. It was Everton nil. When I was writing my notes for this game, I'd forgotten it had even happened. I skipped straight to the Manchester United Liverpool game but I guess that sums up the performance from both teams last night Steve forgettable I think the one word that comes to mind for me is testimonial uh, I thought <laughs> I thought it had that um, Who's? <laughs> well yeah probably like uh, you know Doug Ellis's or something like that but um, you know I think that um, yeah it was a dour affair wasn't it I mean I, I watched the highlights of it um, which obviously they only tell so much of a story, but I just thought that um, it, it was a tale of kind of Everton being absolutely toothless up front last night, and um, and, and Villa, you know, defending quite well in parts and um, having the odd, odd glimpse in there. It, you know, the two teams that that aren't going to kind of achieve 
uh, a great deal this season. Obviously, you know at this point, and I just think that the um, uh, you know they just played out a, a very very predictable nil nil, and um, you know not not too much impact on the league table. I think they're probably both going to finish where they are now, and um, and I think it's one just to put a tick next to it and say, well, thank Christ, it's done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's interesting you mentioned the toothless attacks it was one of the things I wanted to bring up Leon and there were some decent chances last night Decor had a good chance Richarlison Michael Keane had a decent chance for a go Calvert-Lewin as well they all had good opportunities but again we find ourselves talking about Everton failing to score goals and we talk a lot about Tottenham Hotspur having it built into their DNA that they get all spursy when it gets to the big event and they don't win games and they can't quite get over the line. Is the lack of goals, the lack of being able to convert chances, creeping into Everton's DNA? Because it's been the same story for about five years now. And now they've got two superb forward players in Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin. You'd expect them to be able to convert the chances they're making. Yeah, you would. But I think... Looking at where Everton are trying to come from under Ancelotti, I think he's done quite well um, in terms of defensively. Um, I think they've done pretty decent over the course of the season so far, but it is the next step to try and now become more attack-minded because that's what's going to get you into European football. And I was a huge disappointment for Everton last night. They, They really had a chance to try and catch who I believe... West Ham and Everton will probably fight it out for that sixth last position um, in terms of Europa League football. But when Calvert-Lewin is not on fire or Richarlison, there's not many others chipping in with goals. So a lot of the kind of dependability comes on those two guys. When they kind of had Rodriguez, when he was on fire, able to supply the two guys up front, Everton did look a danger. But again, last night, inefficiencies in front of goal is certainly costing them and if they want to move on and get to the next step I think Ancelotti has got to let the reins off a little bit maybe they need to sign another attack-minded player who is capable of scoring goals and I was surprised when they brought in Josh King um, on loan till the end of the season I didn't really get that Um, but they need to get someone who can chip in as well because they don't have it around the side. Even if you look at the likes of Sigurdsson, Iwobi, there's not a lot of goals there. So you're heavily dependent on Calvert-Lewin, A, scoring and staying fit, and Richarlison chipping in. So that's the next protocol for Everton. They've got to be able to sign someone who's going to give them 10 to 15 league goals minimum a season. That European qualification is looking pretty tough at the moment. As you say, it's kind of Tottenham, West Ham... Liverpool even competing for those those, those Europa League places. Champions League is obviously off the table for Everton now. When you talk about that recruitment, Leon, how important are those European places going to be? Because Carlo Ancelotti undoubtedly is a draw. The aspirations of Everton as a football club is a draw. But actually, without that European football, that's only going to take you so far. It is only going to take you so far. But I suppose on the flip side, if they miss out on Europa League football, which I think they probably will now this season, they've got to really concentrate on their league form next year. And with it being a kind of a World Cup year also, um, it mightn't actually, you know, it mightn't harm them that much when you look at the money that they do have at their disposal. They've got a new stadium coming. They're trying to move into that kind of top six 
and hopefully for Everton Football Club, eventually maybe get back into the uh, top four. It's very difficult, but they do have plenty of money behind them. They do have a world-class manager. And next season, just because the World Cup obviously is not going to happen until the winter of 2022, but players will be mindful of extra games on their bodies. So Everton, they can offer big wages. There's no doubt about that. And I do think with Ancelotti there, I also think with big Duncan Ferguson there, if they could get another kind of striker, you know, someone who's going to score goals, there is an opportunity to become a hero at Everton to try and get into European football. So it's going to be very intriguing to see who will go to them in the summer and how much money they will give Ancelotti. And I'm sure Ancelotti is there because he knows there is money. He wants to go to a club that he's able to go into the transfer market and compete. He's not going to be able to compete with Manchester City or Chelsea or Manchester United. But I don't think that's who he's up against. I think he's up against the sides in and around the kind of 5th, 6th and 7th. They're the kind of teams who he's trying to vie for the same type of player. And I think with Ancelotti, he does give Everton a bit of an advantage, in my opinion. The positive for Villa last night was the return of Jack Grealish, Steve, who's been a long-term absentee. An amazing statistic I saw that Villa have won 50% of their games with Jack Grealish in the team and 25% without him. So undoubted, he has an impact on that team. In terms of the season, it's probably a little bit late in the day. He's not really going to change Villa's fortunes over the next three games, but I guess it does potentially impact his involvement in this summer's European Championships. He's got three games to really prove himself. Does he need to pull out all the stops to get a place on the bus, boat, bloke, boat, plane, whatever it is, wherever the games happen to be? Or do you think he's actually probably already in Southgate's mind as being one of those players, particularly now with the expanded squads that is likely to feature for England in the summer? Yeah, I think I think Jack Grealish has done enough, hasn't he, to prove his credentials for England in the summer. Um, I, you know, I, I noted with interest the you know him and Gareth Southgate had a kind of very cordial conversation, didn't they, at a Villa game recently? You know, where they look to be on on great terms with each other, and I just think that you know Jack brings. Um, a lot to the party. He's, you know, obviously he creates a lot. He never stops. Um, he's good to have around the squad. I think he's slotted into that England shirt like a dream. Um, I don't think he's look overawed by it. I think he's come in and and he's delivered every time he's played for England. For me, it, it's without question he goes, you know, to the World Cup. Uh, sorry, not the World Cup, the Euros. And um, and it's going to be interesting to see how he gets on because I think he's going to have suitors in, in summer and it'll be. Um, Interesting what it does to his price as well, but I'm a massive Jack Grealish fan. I'd love him at mine and Leon's club, and um, uh, I'm going to be very jealous of someone signing him in somewhere. I think Jack Grealish steals the headlines whether he's on or off the pitch. It's either about what he contributes on the pitch or why he's not contributing that when he's off the pitch. But I think the unsung hero again last night for Aston Villa was Martinez, who was in goal. Picked up his 15th clean sheet of the season last night, which equals Brad Friedel's record for Aston Villa in the Premier League. I mean, is he in with a shout of being the signing of the season across the whole league, Leon? Because he has been fantastic. He's been absolutely phenomenal. Um, I think that's the word for him. I, for one, could not understand how Arteta chose to keep Leno and sell um, Martinez. Some people might say Leno has more of a resale value, but I don't. I mean, I don't look at it that way. I look at Martinez and what he brings now. Goalkeepers can play well into their late thirties if they keep themselves fit, and this guy 
has really taken to being number one. He's embraced the challenge. Um, he's very dominant. He's very commanding. Um, I think he gives the back four in front of him plenty of confidence that they know that they've got someone right behind them who is playing at the top level. You've just mentioned it. 15 clean sheets. It's not all about him. I think Aston Villa's back four, well, back five works extremely well as a unit. Um, but you've got to give Martinez huge credit. And as a signing, he's got to be right up there as one of the best signings of the season, without a shadow of doubt. I mean, Villa, um, your stat about Jack Grealish and just touching on him for a moment, Jack Grealish has to be in the England squad. There's not even a question mark, in my opinion. The way he's performed, the way he actually demands the ball, the punishment he takes, I think he's the most fouled player or one of them in the Premier League up until he was obviously injured. He gets kicked, he gets pushed, he gets up. Um, he's a workhorse. Um, the amount of actual work that he puts into a 90-minute shift up and down that wing, across the middle, he's an exceptional talent. And I think England are quite blessed um, at the moment. When you look at the kind of players that Southgate has at his disposal, the competition for places to kind of try and get on one of those wings. You've got Foden, you've got Rashford, you've got Sterling. It's looking very bright for England at the moment, but Grealish certainly has to be in the squad. If it was a straight shoot between him and Phil Foden, because there are limited places and probably those two players, you'd say are on the peripheries of the England selection at the moment. Who would you be taking? Well, I think, I think the way Phil Foden has nudged Raheem Sterling out of the Man City first eleven. um Barring injury, Phil Foden is a certainty to start against Chelsea in the Champions League final because of his performances. And for a young guy who's only 20, for me, I'd be starting to build the England team around Phil Foden um, because he's world-class. And I remember Pep Guardiola saying it a couple of years ago, this is the most talented youngster he's ever, ever seen. And when you think about the youngsters he's seen throughout his managerial career, that's some statement. But he's been proven right. Foden's got the world at his feet. He's just an absolute dream to watch. And if I was an Englishman, I'd be hoping Foden would be starting um, for England in the Euros. He's that good. But Southgate, look, he is quite loyal. Um, he does tend to play Rashford and Sterling um, alongside kind of Harry Kane. But I think when you've got Grealish and you've got Foden as backups, you're not doing too bad. That's the aperitif consumed for the main course which undoubtedly was Manchester United versus Liverpool last night we'll talk about that game it was 4-2 to Liverpool we'll do it next on Football Social Daily welcome back to Football Social Daily we're going to talk about tonight's game which is Manchester City versus Newcastle in a little bit Newcastle versus Manchester City I should say I'll be honest with you there's not a huge amount to say about that game but we will get onto that shortly but we will talk more importantly about Manchester United's game last night against Liverpool it was Manchester United 2 it was Liverpool 4 it was the first time Liverpool have won away at Manchester United since 2014 Brendan Rodgers was in charge that day and none of the current Liverpool team featured in that victory. Now, if you believe football Twitter, Steve, last night, and we all know football Twitter is a strange, strange place. From a Manchester United perspective, last night's game didn't really matter. It's all about that focus on the Europa League final. It didn't matter what the result was last night, but surely, and I'm talking about this from the outside looking in because I'm not a Liverpool fan, I'm not a Manchester United fan, but... 
that game has such significance in terms of rivalry. Surely any time those two teams meet, it is important and you want your team to perform. You're absolutely bang on, Jim. Um, you know, any United fan that, that is, you know, putting that out across Twitter is talking absolute <laughs> in all honesty. Um, I think that, you know, Liverpool or Man United, Man United Liverpool is without a doubt, even in the era of Man City at the minute, is still the biggest fixture in this country. Um, you know, it's the biggest draw, it's, it's steeped in tradition. There's a lot of kind of rivalry between the clubs on the pitch, even though business wise, the owners are very, very close with each other. Um, but I think that um, anyone who kind of says that it's not important, I mean, even, you know, when we played them in the FA Cup or we've played them in the Europa League in the past, it, it's a great occasion, um, you know, and usually everyone, you know, rises for it and, and, and you know, make sure that they leave it all on the pitch. And, um, Last night was last night was 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 a funny old scoreline, and um, as as the game went on, you know it it was fully justified, and I think that you know Liverpool last night were I thought they were phenomenal. Um, it, it's the best I've seen for for a long time, and um, and I just thought it was really refreshing to see like the old Liverpool stand up um, because it's been a little while coming, but. Everything was back last night. They were very aggressive when it comes to the press. The, you know, they the pushed United back and had them really deep. And um, and I thought tactically, I thought Jurgen got it absolutely spot on last night because even when it went three um, two, I think we all knew that United were going to go searching for that equaliser, and, and we just picked them off. Um, really, really good performance from Liverpool. Everyone turned up last night, and it was refreshing to see the likes of you know Roberto Firmino get amongst the goals again. And um, we'll gladly take them three points because you know we beat Southampton two 0 the other day, and um, we beat United four two. So you know we're gathering a little bit of momentum here now. And I think that um, you know obviously the, the three games coming up when Liverpool are in that cup final mentality of treating every game like a final. I, th- I think there's there's no team better. Uh, than them for it, so very very happy last night. Um, I thought United were were really poor, um, and I think Ollie's got a, a lot of questions to um, ponder. Uh, you know, with United, I think you can almost excuse Manchester United looking a little bit leggy and not looking great last night. They've played three games in five days. Yeah, but they made ten changes, Jim, against Leicester. Yeah, and I, you know, so you know, it, all these kind of like, you know, he's shuffled the pack and he's tried to be a bit clever. Um, and, you know, obviously there's a bit of needle in there as well. The fact that, you know, he's probably kind of done it as the game to sacrifice against Leicester so he can go full strength against Liverpool. And I've got to say... And, but was and, that full strength last night? Well, I thought I think they were pretty much, pretty strong yeah. United last night. And as, as, as kind of Leon will probably, you know, uh, agree with, it, it blew up spectacularly in Ollie's face that last night. He got it wrong. And unfortunately with Ollie. He's been found wanting quite a bit on these occasions, and I think mm. that you know if you gamble, you've you've got to be you know willing to take the consequences. And I think Liverpool um, punished Manchester United last night. I mean, Manchester United looked very weak defensively last night, Leon, and lot partly that was down to, or majorly that was down to the absence of Harry Maguire, who maybe doesn't always get the credit he deserves, but they still had two thirty million pound centre backs on the pitch <laughs> and Lindelof and Bay. Is that a real area of concern? for Manchester United now. They need to strengthen that defensive core if they're going to succeed. I think I think with Manchester United, um, they are second in the table and the league table doesn't lie. But I just think you saw last night how far Manchester United are off winning a Premier League title. Absolutely. And the right. reason I say that is Liverpool on the night 
that was a massive game. Let's make no mistake about this right here. Manchester United wanted to knock Liverpool out of the Champions League last night. And they failed miserably. Anyone who watched that game, Liverpool were good for a three or four goal winning margin. Without a shadow of a doubt. Maguire was missing. Yes, he's the best centre-half at Manchester United. That's clear. Bay and Lindelof were all over the place. Liverpool could have scored six or seven. But when you look, and if people say, was that United's strongest 11 that he could put out last night? Yes, it was. OK, he took off Fred, who I wouldn't have in my first 11, but Ollie always plays him. So he brought, he brought on Greenwood, which did help them a little bit. I was surprised that Greenwood didn't start. Um, because I thought with Pogba and with McTominay, you've got enough in the middle alongside Fernandes. But I think United do need strengthening. They need strengthening all over the pitch. But I think the problem is they've given, they've given Cavani another one-year deal. I was fully convinced that United were going to try and break the bank and convince Harry Kane to come to Old Trafford. But now that they've signed Cavani for one more year, I don't think that's going to happen. The middle of the park, they're still very weak. They got dominated last night by Thiago, Fabinho and Wijnaldum, who I actually thought the three lads were exceptional in the middle of the park. I'm sure that's why Oli started Fred, he started McTominay and he started Bruno. Fernandes went missing once again in a big game. I mean, he's crying every time. I think a fly might have landed on his shoulder last night and he, and he let out a big scream. The screams on him last night were just, it's terrible what's happening. I think, Hilarious. I think Roy Keane was actually spot on. I mean, he talked about like some of these players that have been talked up as, as kind of superstars and this and that. What have they actually done? Fernandez has done... Listen, I'm not criticising Fernandez. He's changed the mentality a bit. He is a winner. But I also find in big, big matches, I cannot remember the last time he stood up and dominated one. The same can be said for Paul Pogba. Where was he last night? I mean, he was non-existent. And you've got to question... Some of these players at United, are they going to take scored, them? He scored 18 goals in the Premier League this season, Bruno Fernandes. How many penalties, Jim? I think it's I, 10 or 11, I don't, know, I don't I also don't know sure that I mean, necessarily matters, does it? I mean, 11 assists, 18 goals. You can't play down his involvement that much, can you? I'm he, not, well, no, I'm not, I'm not playing down his involvement. But what I'm saying is, I haven't said he's been a bad signing. He's been a very good signing. But when it comes to the top games against the top opposition... When is the last time any Manchester United fan could honestly put their hand up and say, Fernandes dominated that game? I can't remember one. I can't remember one for Pogba. And the 11 assists, fine. There's a big debate about assists. If you hit a little five-yard pass and someone does all the work and scores a goal, is it really that good? Look, I'm not saying he's been bad, but I think he's a long, long way off from being called a world-class player. Let's talk about the controversial moment from last night. Or was it a controversial moment? Because Liverpool, it could have been even worse for Manchester United. Denied a penalty early on. Anthony Taylor reversing his original decision after going over to the pitch side monitors and checking the incident again. Which ultimately is what we want to see referees do. But was this an occasion, uh, Steve, of Vary good or Vary bad? First and foremost, I'm going to say that the fact that Anthony Taylor was on that game last night is an absolute disgrace for a start. Um, you know, and we've had this before that we've had this Manchester referee, um, you know, uh, Altrincham, Altrincham fan. well, you know, Altrincham <laughs> fan, but obviously 
you know, he'll have his kind of um, uh, his fondness for um, you know one of the Manchester teams as well. There's no doubt about it. Um, but I thought um, it's it's really strange that the Premier League keep doing this out of the pool of referees that he was the only guy for that gig last night. I think it's rubbish. But anyway, uh, on the penalty, um, uh, you know, obviously, you know, Bailly's come in and he and he's he's, he's obviously clattered through. Um, you know, Nat Phillips last night. For me, no penalty. Um, I actually, for, um, for, for, for I'm actually going to say, I thought that was a fantastic tackle. Um, I, I, I thought, you know, we took the ball first um, and obviously the man's gone second. I've got no issues with that at all. Um, and I thought it was a blood and guts challenge and um, I've, I've not got any issues with that. But, having said that, we've seen plenty of them given this season um, and I think that last night, you know, reluctantly, I think it was the right decision. For me. What a fair response from a Liverpool fan. Whatever next, probably um, stumped by my response. <laughs> final goal of the game, Leon went to Mohamed Salah, and it probably wasn't significant in terms of the result. But what I didn't realise was how he's been doing in terms of the goal scoring charts. That puts him level twenty-one goals for the season, level with Harry Kane. And the narrative around Salah this season has been that he's been poor he's not quite been at the level he has in previous seasons and that's played a part in Liverpool's maybe failure to um, challenge for the title again but I mean 21 goals for a season that doesn't show that he hasn't been performing has that been the case? No look I think Mohamed Salah um, has held up his end of the bargain from a Liverpool perspective I think the ones who have failed miserably this season Saudi Mane and Bobby Firmino in terms of goals. You must remember also that Diogo Yota had hit the ground running quite early in his Liverpool career, but then he was knocked out for nearly three and a half months. So Salah has got a remarkable um, goal-scoring record since he's been at Liverpool. He scored over 20 goals in every single season that he's been there. I mean, I'm just looking at his stats because I knew this was going to come up. He's appeared 142 times for Liverpool and he scored 94 goals. Now, that is absolutely off the charts. And people may complain about Mo and he's greedy and he wants to score a lot of the time. But I think that's just, he's driven by goals. You saw how much it meant to him last night to score that fourth goal. Because at 3-2, it's always, I mean, it's on a knife edge. United can get a chance and they can score but for him to score it, I must say the Henderson, um, the Man United goalkeeper, made it absolutely simple for him. His positioning was totally wrong. He left the whole right side of the goal open. Um, so he's got a look at himself. He was bad, obviously, for the third goal as well. But I think Mo Salah, he's held up his end of the bargain as a Liverpool kind of striker and um, playing in those front three. You look at Firmino, hasn't been at it this season. Mane, for whatever reason, COVID with an injury, maybe it just hasn't felt right for him. But then you look at Diogo Yota as well, getting back on the score sheet last night. I'm kind of of the belief that a Yota had a stayed fit. I don't think Liverpool would have won the league this year with the injuries, but they would have already nearly been secure at top four. But I hope Mo Salah stays at Liverpool. He's been a revelation since he signed there. He's been there four seasons. I hope he's there for many more to come. That result throws into question who is in the better position for next season, I guess. Manchester United finishing second, Liverpool poorer league position, but then pulling over that result last night in recent form as players have come back from injury looking a lot better. Is it too early, Leon, to start talking about odds for next season on who out of Liverpool and Manchester United are in the best position to maybe do better in the league or maybe even potentially win it? 
Well, look, I mean, I think, you know, like I think with Manchester City, they're the side that everyone's going to have to beat next year because they've won three out of the last four Premier Leagues and they started very slow this season. But since they won at Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, they have been relentless and you've got to give them plenty of credit and they deserve it. The likes of Liverpool, there's no doubt when you get Van Dijk, Gomez and Henderson back into any team, um, it becomes an awful lot stronger. It looks as if they're going to obviously um, sign at least one, maybe two centre-halves. But for Manchester United, I just feel they're still a good bit away. I mean, I think if you look at a fully fit Liverpool squad and a fully fit Manchester United squad, not because I'm a Liverpool fan, I just think it's a better squad at Liverpool. And I think they would finish ahead of Manchester United barring the injuries. You've also t- you've got to take into consideration Chelsea. I think Tuchel has done a really, really good job at Chelsea so far. Huge slip-up losing to Arsenal 1-0. I don't think anyone saw that coming. But I do feel if Tuchel gets some money from Abramovich in the summer, which I feel he will, I think he wants to get his own kind of number nine. You look at the chances that Chelsea are creating. Werner is missing an awful lot. They don't really have an out-and-out 20-goal-a-season man. Will it come from Werner next season? I still have my doubts. But I think Chelsea, Liverpool and Manchester City, for me personally, I think if they strengthen in the summer, United will do well to finish above any of those three sides. Well, let's talk about the team that you just mentioned as the team to beat next season, Manchester City. They are playing Newcastle United tonight. The game is in Newcastle. Newcastle have looked a little bit better recently, Steve. And largely that's been down to Callum Wilson coming back into the team um, and also St Maximum coming back in as well. Callum Wilson now out for the rest of the season. He's injured again. He's done his hamstring. Is that Newcastle waving goodbye to any chances they had of winning this game or even, do you know what, winning another game this season, I suppose? (laughs) Um, I, th- I think so. Yeah, I think you know New- Newcastle. You know will struggle without them lads. Um, you know there's no doubt about it because they do bring that extra dimension to what's been um, um, a-, a difficult Newcastle team this season. Um, imbalanced. Um, you know really poor. Um, you know t- in terms of consistency. But I think that this is an opportunity um, for Newcastle to. You know, take stock, see where they are. Um, they're not going to get relegated, obviously now. Um, which at one point, you know, they looked like they were really kind of slipping into it. And I just think that you know, Steve Bruce is talking about his his preseason targets and the players he wants to sign, and and seeing the last year out of his deal. Um, Mike Ashley probably isn't the type of guy who's going to sack him in summer, you know, because because that's the brief, isn't it, for Newcastle? It's just don't get relegated. Um, and I think that. They just need to kind of like I I feel with them that the board, um, supporters trust, um, the, the the squad. There's got there needs to be some kind of massive clear the earth for me at Newcastle because I think everyone needs to get on the same hymn sheet there because it's a fantastic football club in a fantastic city, and I just think that um yeah they'll be glad to see the back of the season and I don't see anything else tonight apart from a Man City procession. procession. Um, I think Man City will will have it away tonight and I think they'll they'll probably. I think they'll win by three or four tonight, Man City. Newcastle United fans will be delighted to hear that they can break a record tonight. They can equal the record for the most goals conceded in one season at home. It was set in 2012-2013 season. Um, I haven't actually got the number it is. I think it's I think it's 32, but I might have that one wrong. Uh, Leon, for a Steve Bruce team, 
that seems like a strange stat, the fact they are conceding so many at home, because surely the point in having Steve Bruce as a manager, the only selling point is that he sets you up not to concede. He gives you that kind of sturdy defensive line. So if he's not doing that, what is the point in Steve Bruce? (laughs) Well, when you look at Steve Bruce, and I thought it was similar with Rafa Benitez, I think Bruce has done well in the transfer market to pick up Wilson for, for, what was it, 25 million? A proven Premier League goal scorer. Ryan Fraser was on a free. He's been a little bit unlucky with injuries. I think he also picked up Jeff Hendrick on a free and he got the young fullback from Norwich. So he hasn't really spent that much money, Bruce, um, in the close season. And Newcastle have done okay. And I think looking at that club, you've got to change the whole mentality of it. They are a fantastic club. The Geordie fans are so loyal. 51 or 52,000 every home game. It's remarkable support for a club who's been starved of success. But I think until the ownership changes, um, I think then you won't see the best of Newcastle. But they need a new owner to come in and really have a go. I know we spoke about this last week, but they need funds. Um, But looking at Newcastle, they've done okay this year for me because it is just about staying in the Premier League. They've been lucky in the respect that Sheffield United have just been dreadful. I think they actually still have to play Sheffield United at home. So maybe when the Geordies get back in to St. James's Park, they might have something to sing about um, in their last home game against Sheffield United because they should win that game, even minus Wilson. But I think Newcastle, they're in the Premier League for next season, but I don't see much changing until the ownership changes because the last few years have just been all about staying in the Premier League. They've succeeded in that, but they can't really go any further. When you look at the points Newcastle have got this season, it's broadly the same as last year. They're five points off with three to play in terms of what they were doing last season. So there is no real change at Newcastle. For Manchester City, it's kind of going to be a case of rotate and rest for the rest of the season, I guess. Thankfully, they have, for Manchester City fans, they have the squad to do that and still put out a very impressive first 11. Kevin De Bruyne won't feature tonight. He's got a slight muscle injury, so he's very unlikely to be risked. Sergio Aguero is an interesting one for me, Steve, because he was the talk last weekend after his cheeky chimp chipped penalty attempt against Chelsea, which was saved by Benjamin Mendy. Got a lot of criticism from that from fans and pundits alike. And potentially there was talk of it maybe damaging the trust between Aguero and Pep Guardiola. Some suggesting that we won't see him in a Manchester City shirt again. Do you think he's likely to feature? I would have thought so, yeah. I think that, you know, saying people saying that, you know, we'll never see him again in a Man City shirt is, is bizarre. I think, you know, for everything that Sergio Aguero has done, the league title is wrapped up. Um, you know, they've, they've done it um, in style. Um, obviously, the, the points tally is, is, is going to be lower than, than what it usually is. Um, but when you've got a legend like Sergio Aguero, who's going to get his statue built outside one of the stands at the, um, the Etihad, um, there's no way you don't say to him when the, you know you need to rotate and there's there's nothing at stake really. You don't say go and have ninety minutes. You know go and see what you can do um, and try and add to his incredible tally. And I think that the Panica penalty, he's not the only one who's tried that and he's not the only one who's failed at it. The, the problem is with that penalty is that. When you pull it off, you look an absolute god, don't you? Um, but but when it goes 
south and um and, and you know Edward Mendy just stands up and catches it with one hand it's a shit look and um I just think that unfortunately that that's just they're just the margins in football aren't they and I think that there's no way you cannot let Sergio Guerrero have one of these remaining two games or three games whatever it is they've got left um because the Premier League is going to be it's going to be a weaker place without him. You know, there's no doubt about that. Man City are going to be a weaker club without him, and he deserves maximum respect for everything that he's that he's achieved. Because, you know, many a time have I cast an envious glance over to Man City in regards to Aguero and thought they've got a proper striker there. And I think we will, we will mess him in the Premier League. Give the lad some games. Let him go off in style. Let him maybe score another couple of goals. And 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 he leaves and potentially goes to Barcelona if you if you believe the rumours. And um, and finishes off his career in style. I've got to say, I know it's kind of old news now, but I had no problem with Sergio Aguero trying that as a penalty attempt. I think it's just it's just another method of scoring a penalty. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Exactly. And it may, potentially, it's high risk, but I'd wage that still percentage wise, more of those go in than miss. And it's probably no more high risk than trying to blast it in a top corner. And sometimes you blast it over, sometimes you get it on target. Well, you blast it over, mate. I've played football with you. <laughs> <laughs> That's my motus operandi. I do very little else. <laughs> uh, Leon, before we wrap up Manchester City versus Newcastle, where are the tasty markets on this one? I imagine you're not getting very good odds with Boyle Sports on a Manchester City win here. No, no. And I think, you know, um, look, Newcastle, they're safe. But City as well. I mean, how much... Like, do you guys feel that there's any places up for grabs in that kind of first 11 um, for the Champions League final? Because that's got to be the motivation if some of the City squad feel they can still do enough in these um, two or three remaining league games to try and change Pep's mindset. I'm of the opinion that Pep already knows his first 11 for that Champions League final barring injuries. So I look at it and kind of say to myself, there's not a lot that some of these players can actually do to change his mind. I agree, you've got to give Sergio Aguero to even talk, I mean, as Steve says, to even talk about him not playing for Manchester City again because he's missed a penalty. That's absolute nonsense. He's missed plenty of penalties in his Manchester City career. He has been one of the reasons. I look at the kind of spine of Man City company, David Silva, Sergio Aguero, those three players have transformed Manchester City as a football club. Yes, you can say they've had the money, but the application of those three men in particular to take Man City to where they are right now, they all should have a um, a statue outside that stadium because the three of them have been absolutely exceptional. City tonight, however, I'd be looking at minus two or even minus three. I think City will just dominate possession. Over three and a half goals has been well supported from six to four into five to four. I think there is going to be goals. As you mentioned about Newcastle, they concede a lot. They're going to concede a lot more tonight. I think actually both teams, funnily enough, I don't think both teams will score. I'm going to go for no here at five to six. And I think the likes of Aguero, he's favourite to score first. I can see why. I think he will start tonight. He's a seven to two chance. And the one thing about Sergio Aguero that I think will spur him on for tonight, it's not that he's going to try and force his way into the first 11 for the Champions League final, because he's not. He's going to be on the bench. But he will want, he will want to right that wrong of missing that penalty against Chelsea. And that's why I think at 7-2, to two, he's a decent price to score the first goal in tonight's game. 
You can find the latest odds, as always, at boilsports.com or you can get the Boyle Sports apps. T's and C's apply there, 18 plus. Bet responsibly, begambleaware.co.uk. Right, we're going to speak to a former Premier League player in the shape of Andy Campbell next. Middlesbrough homeboy hero and former England under-21 international. Andy Campbell on Football Social Daily next. This is Football Social Daily, daily Premier League updates from the top flight of English football and delighted to welcome on today's podcast, former Borough, Cardiff and England youth prospect, Andy Campbell. How are you doing, Andy? Hi, Jim. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to it. Thank you very much for coming on. I'm going to go right off the bat with this because I mentioned England youth prospect there and I was looking at a picture of you lining up for the England under-21s a couple of days ago alongside some pretty notable names as well. Richard Wright, Kieran Dyer, Seth Johnson, Jamie Carragher, Rio Ferdinand, Gareth Barry, Frank Lampard, Emil Heskey, Lee Hendry, all in the lineup alongside you. I mean, you probably don't need me to ask who's the odd one out from that collection. Yeah, listen, uh, you know what I mean? I'd, a proud moment for me to be involved in that group and to play in that game, that particular game. I say it was a big game and we borrowed quite a lot of the superstars for that game because obviously we needed to qualify for the for the Euros and uh, obviously Emil and Frank and Rio and Jamie Carragher et al were all fully involved in the full squad but um, obviously Kevin Keegan the England manager at the time uh, allowed Howard Wilkinson our manager to bring in all of the players to get us over the line and and I thoroughly, I thoroughly did it with fine colours, and, and it was a great moment for me because I say I was a regular in the Premier League at the time for Middlesbrough, and uh, and, and I thoroughly uh, enjoyed my moment and and obviously the experience which went with it, and obviously I got myself a, a few caps along the way to um to play in the in the in the, in the summer tournament, which was great. But yeah, a brilliant experience and something that nobody can take away really. What I'm hinting at, of course, is that out of that selection of players, you are the one that didn't go on to make any senior appearances for your country, and it it's an amazing. Amazing yeah. achievement to play professional football. Someone that the likes of me could only dream to do. It's an even more amazing achievement to go and play for your country at any level at all. But I know yeah. how driven professional sportsmen are, and I know how critical professional sportsmen are of their own performances as well. So how did that weight hang on you going forward? The fact that you had been in this amazing under-21 setup, but you never quite made the step up to the senior team. But you know what? It didn't because I, okay. I wasn't, I, I, and I've always been honest all the way through my career that I never saw myself as a good footballer. I saw myself with certain attributes that no, nobody had. I'd say I was probably one of the, if not the quickest player in the Premier League. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not blowing me on trumpet there. You know what I mean? I had something mm. that nobody else had and my ability wasn't as good as a lot of other people technically wise. You know what I mean? I, I didn't have the, the touch what other people had. I didn't have the control what other people had, but I had something which worked. And as long as I found the right strike partner throughout my career, I, I seem to I seem to get away with quite a lot, and yeah, playing with someone like Emil was was great. You know that I, I struggled throughout my England youth career when I played with Michael Owen because Michael was technically better than me. Michael was just as quick as me, if not. You know what I mean? There was um, comparisons there, but we always struggled because we were too similar. I always needed that person to uh, to take the pressure off me and do the things that I wasn't very good at. <laughs> and you know what I mean? And that partnership with Emil was was great for me. You know what I mean? And I never really found it in the national squad. You know what I mean? And I, I was always catching people like Michael mm. up and having someone like Michael in front of you. You're never gonna really break in you know so it was, it was 
you know what I mean? I was too similar, I think. And, and I'm not being down on myself. I'm not being critical. I was just, I, I just knew my limitations as a player. And listen, I wasn't even the best player in my youth team in Middlesbrough, but I was driven. I was more determined than, than anybody in my group. I wanted to be make it as a professional football and I would have walked over every one of my family members to get there and to play for my hometown club. And I got the best out of the ability that I had. And that's why I've got no regrets in football because mm. I've got no regrets I didn't play my country at, at, at senior level. I would have loved to have done it and I tried my best to do it. But, you know, I, mean, I dropped down the level that I dropped down to to, to play football. And once mm. I did that, I think I, I'd give up that opportunity to play for my country because at the time you didn't get, like you do now, players in the championship getting an opportunity for England where, you know, it happens. Back then it didn't happen. You were a Premier League player and if you were a Premier League player, you, you never played for your country. You had some brilliant moments throughout your career not least scoring the winning goal in the FA Cup versus Manchester United for Middlesbrough. It's the FA Cup final coming up in a few weeks. How are those players going to feel? The ones that do that particularly in that game, the ones that score that winning goal and go on to lift the trophy. Oh, listen, it's, uh, scoring any goal is, is, is great, but doing it against a, a world-class side. Listen, I, I was very fortunate in my career. I scored two goals against United, both at the Riverside, and both because of the pace that I had. <laughs> you know what I mean? The, the, the ball wasn't balls over the top, but the pace was the issue which caused the goals. And anyone who scores a goal, I'll tell you, it's the best feeling in the world. If that's in a cup game, in a league game, in front of five people, in front of 50,000, 80,000 fans, there's no better moment. You know what I mean? And, and those are the things that I, I miss from football is that moment and then that feeling of scoring goals the emotion the adrenaline because you can't replicate it regardless of what you try to do in your life the the moments you have in your life probably the closest probably feeling in my lifetime is probably when my children were born and 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 but even still, you know what I mean? It's it's that moment that everyone else is proud of being pleased with the noise. You don't get that kind of noise when you have kids. It's it's a different, different, it's a different kind, of kind of feeling. But that noise when, yeah, different kind of noise, which doesn't go away, by the way, for, for quite a few years. But that, the noise which you get from scoring a goal is 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 phenomenal and you can still feel it. And when you watch the games again on TV, which is which is great. And the good thing about it, I, I was come through a generation which you can re-watch those moments again. It's, it's phenomenal and, and it's hairs on the back of your neck. You know, I know that's a cliche, but it is. And, and every time I watched it, it still feels like yesterday, mm. even though some of those goals are 25, 15, 16 years ago. It's great. And uh, you know what I mean? And, and I'm so lucky to, to have those moments and, uh, and things that no one can ever take away from me. You know that I deserve those moments because I worked hard. And, and like I said earlier, I, I would have walked over my family members to get there. And I did, you know what I mean? I was very selfish. I, 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 I was very selfish with friends because I wanted to be a professional footballer. I was very driven to be that professional footballer because I knew that I had to be because I didn't have the ability that I knew some of my teammates had at the time in my up years. And I needed to stand out from the, from the crowd and, and, and I got there in the end. You mentioned earlier you kind of dropped down the leagues a little bit as your career progressed. Most recently, your most yeah. recent club was Whitby Town. Does that feeling change when you're playing for Middlesbrough and scoring goals? Or is it, the, is it at, at its centre, at its core, is it the same no matter who you're playing for? Um, listen, I think obviously the, the feeling of scoring a goal doesn't change as long as you understand the reasons why you're there playing at that level, you know. I, I call it fortunate. You know, I was fortunate that I, I dragged my career out as long as I could. I had to mm. drop down to semi-professional because I couldn't train every day with an injury I picked up uh, in professional football. So I had to find a level which I was happy with. I was level which I, I could play at, and I mean physically. So the feeling of scoring a goal for, for a club which is close to my heart, which is around the corner from, um, or down the road, sorry, from where I, where I live is... is it's, it's nice because I can give something back you know it's it's nice that, that, that those kind of clubs can have that history of me playing for them that I had the history of playing the Premier League playing for country scoring goals at Premier League scoring goals at all this kind of level and it's um, 
it was nice to give something back and, and playing with people that I grew up with as a, as a younger mm. player. So we've gone in a full circle. We've started together and we're finishing together. And yeah, it's, it's the same feeling, but it's just at a different level. And, and the emotions are still the same scoring goals, but there's just less people there to celebrate with you. Before I let you go, I want to talk to you quickly about what we saw happening in the Premier League in terms of there was a bit of a stand taken by Premier League footballers and a lot of English football against online social media bullying, I guess, was at its core and the kind of abuse players receive, particularly via online. Obviously, back when you were playing, it was very different. There wasn't the same level of social media, so you weren't getting the abuse in the same fashion. But that abuse was still there. How do you cope with that? as a player when you're receiving that criticism when you're receiving that abuse does it i mean the kind of general narrative from the people who try to defend it is that you're paid enough as a professional footballer to just put up with it water off a duck's back kind of thing but i guess that, that's very different on a human level 100 percent. i think listen i think uh, i think that water off a duck's back skin like a rhino people try and put these smoke screens in place to try and and, and and probably scare people off to think that footballers deserve it because they get paid very good money for me you're a human being you're a normal person you're a dad you're a son and nobody deserves this kind of abuse you know it doesn't mm. matter what color your skin is you know it doesn't matter what color hair you what colour hair you've got. Um, for me, you've just got to be, you, we're all equal, you know, that yes, we all have bad games, we all make mistakes, we all miss chances, we all score one goals, we all get sent off, we all do things that we shouldn't do, we all make mistakes. But they're natural mistakes that any human being would make and football fans have a right to have the safe course to do, but have the same the right way and support players because, listen, that player plays for your football club and if that player is going to do well for your football club he needs your help and your guidance and your support and if those players are getting stick and abuse they're going to be scared to make mistakes and if a player's scared to make mistakes with no footballers in the yeah, we're not crowding the, in, in the stadiums at the minute how are they going to feel when there's 70,000 fans there? They're, mm. they're not going to want the ball. They're not going to be able to play. They're going to be under so, so much pressure. We talk about mental health for the minute. My, mental health within football is probably the highest it's ever been. Mental health, back when my place was a swear word, you weren't allowed to show weakness. You weren't allowed to say that you were that you were struggling. If you were struggling, you didn't play. If you were struggling, you got released. If you were struggling, it, it just wasn't allowed to happen. It was just, you know what I mean? It was, a, it was let's go on the drink. Let's go and socialise. Let's go and have team bonding. Let's go and do this. It's... It was still there, but it wasn't allowed to happen as, as, as freely as it happens now. And it's not a weakness. It's people are struggling to talk about how they're feeling emotionally, physically, mentally. And, you know what I mean? I just so wish that, you know what I mean? I've lost a couple of friends this year, footballers, players that I played with. You know what I mean? One at Cardiff City, Chris Barker. And uh, I so wish that people were allowed to talk back then because things would be so different now and I wouldn't have lost a close friend and someone I live with. It was, it was It's heartbreaking to think that that was still happening then, but we weren't allowed to talk about it. But now we're allowed to talk about it. It's too late for some people. And mm. for me, when people do write comments on social media, think twice about what you do because if that's the reason why people make the decisions that they make, you could be the person which sticks that final nail in the decision you know what I mean I'll just beg every, anybody who does write nasty comments that think twice because celebrities footballers sportsmen general public normal people it's nice to be nice sometimes it's nice to reach out to people it's nice to be open it's nice to be honest to people but it's also nice to give constructive criticism you know what I mean we're all just nice people normal people and and football is no different. Yes, the, the gap and the distance between fans and players is greater than it's ever been. You know what I mean? Back when I played, we have a good relationship with fans. I've got a good, great relationship with, with football fans around around the country, with players I played with, fans I played for, and just general football fans from the shows that I do. But it's just nice to be nice. It's nice to have that relationship with people because it's nice to give things back. And, and hopefully fans understand that when they're back in the stadium, that players are just normal people and the interaction can start again. 
Wise words, Andy. It's been a pleasure speaking to you on Football Social Daily. Thanks for your time. Fab. Thanks, Jim. If you want to find more from Andy Campbell, including the brilliant podcast that he does that is all focused on the Football League, you can find him pretty much everywhere. He's on Facebook. He's on Twitter. He's probably on MySpace. Just search Andy Campbell in all those places and you'll find him there. But that is it for today's Football Social Daily. Don't forget, if you want to catch up on the latest from the weekend's action, there is a full preview show with Niall and the boys available tomorrow morning. If you click follow on this podcast, it will be waiting for you when you wake up. It will be in your inbox. or You'll have a notification or something like that. And you can always get the latest news on your team at sport-social.co.uk. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.